Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Dergish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten tales of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. And today, we bring you Amazing Spider-Man, number 176 through 180, giving us a publishing date of January through May 1979. Uh, Is this... I guess this is the first time we've done this Amazing Spider-Man story since that uh, guest appearance with uh, Mark. Right, and we're only reaching back to Amazing for those great villain moments. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the first part of our not Norman Osborn, or I guess not any Osborn, Goblin block of stories. Uh, This one being the third Green Goblin, um, which... We'll get into in just a minute. This one was written and edited by uh, Len Wein, illustrated by Ross Andrew, um, Mike es- Esposito. Esposito. Espo- <laughs> anyway, he was credited as embellisher, which I guess is the anchor. Um, colors are by Glennis uh, Wein and letters by Joe Rosen. Uh, and then just another note that this is Len Wein's final Amazing uh, Spider-Man story and Ross Andrew would be leaving the title after four more issues. So this is more or less the swan song for their run, which started at about Amazing Spider-Man 150, I believe, um, where they worked together. I think Ross would only missed about like four or five issues in that run as as a guest but anyway matt why don't you tell everybody about the availability on these issues all right well this is a relatively early amazing spider-man story so it's not too hard to find you got your options if you're on marvel unlimited you can find it there you can find it on that Amazon company, Comixology, and you can otherwise find it online. You can find it in trade with the Marvel Essentials Amazing Spider-Man Volume 8, as well as its own trade, A New Goblin from 2008. And the individual issues are kind of varied in pricing on this one, so we'd probably recommend one of the earlier options, as some of these issues are around $10 and the listings are inconsistent and you're starting to play with is it fine very fine perfect condition super sexy gotta take your pick right yeah it you know it was it was a little hard to find like pin down a price for these but you know most it looks like they're going about ten dollars an issue which is going to end up costing you fifty dollars for the whole thing um you know not to get ahead of the boat but i would not call this a fifty dollar story um what is though the watchman i'd i'd spend 50 dollars on on floppies for watchman okay which, which i mean yeah what a great scale i mean watchman second greatest comic of all time right after ryan stegman and don cates's uh venom i don't know if you've been following oh, man. twitter you uh <laughs> you're buying the hype there <laughs> if you guys haven't been following ryan stegman on twitter uh he likes to constantly say that you can throw away your copies of watchman uh, because his Venom his Venom uh, comic is delivering. And for the most part, it is, you know, not, not Watchmen levels of delivering. But anyway. <laughs> um, before we start our coverage of the comic, though, I do want to send a shout out and thank you to our listener, Eric Myers, for uh, requesting this story. Uh, hearing from our listeners is always great. And if you guys, gals, and everything else have any requests that you'd like for us to cover... We are all ears. Um, We have so, so many stories that we are going to cover. So any direction from you guys that what you want to actually hear is fantastic. Anyway, let's let's, uh, dive into this thing because it is huge. Uh, I thought we learned our lesson covering a massive story when we attempted to do all 12 issues of Marvel Knights. But here we are for Back for More Punishment with five extraordinarily compressed stories uh let's try to keep this one under three hours i think we should be good i I mean it's five versus twelve also there's no way to kind of split this story this is a tale yeah uh this is a a a saga an epic what 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 was that trade called oh it's just called a new goblin anyway (laughs) (laughs) um 
normally they give him you know a grandiose title like whatever the the the, the melancholy of green goblin the third um okay so this story how do we want to how do we want to tackle this just from the start like so um, I feel like we should spoil this up front, as we essentially already have, if you are a long-time and loyal listener, as I'm sure you all are. Uh, this is the story of Harry Osborne's psychologist, Barton Hamilton, beca- being the Green Goblin, and essentially by touching the Green Goblin's mythos, uh, this psychologist himself snaps... To being crazy and being driven mad by the pursuit of power. I... No, yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> definitely about right. Like we we get in the we have to wait until the last issue before we start touching onto any of this stuff because it's presented as a mystery. But it's one of those mysteries where it's very obvious who who the uh, the person is to the point where if you read the letters. Uh, letter pages for the the comics after this everyone is talking about how obvious it is uh not that it's not that it, it, it's you know obvious reading this that it's supposed to be the psychologist but it's more obvious from a metatextual standpoint uh you know being aware of the genre convi- uh, conventions and how the story was set up um right and as you were saying this being a swan song the who could it be was relatively reined in if you were following amazing up to this point through this run i i I feel the broad strokes here though you know our our psychologist becomes the green goblin throws harry in in a cell basically and puts a hood over his head so metatextually we don't know who he is so that's kept from us even though it it seems somewhat obvious i thought that was played relatively well as we have the villain keeping the the mystery from us as well as uh making others think that he himself was harry osborne as spider-man and other characters refer to the green goblin as harry multiple times throughout the story conveniently he only starts objecting to this in like the last half of the last issue but um right uh, it there, there's a little cornball here. There's a little, there's a little goop, but this is all somewhat undercut by the fact that Aunt May got into a bit of a tryst, and we'll cover that in a minute. <laughs> but is once again in the hospital and in need of Peter's help, but Peter isn't there uh, because he's out Spider Maning. Right, and you know, before before we we dive into that, I just want to point out that like if you're reading these. Uh, these stories and you're a little confused as to like where this setup came from as far as like Harry Harry's psychologist and whatever. It that actually happened in the issue prior. Uh it was kind of toward I think I think toward the end of one seventy five. Um <laughs> from the events from one seventy three, I think. Um Molten Man appears and there's an altercation and it causes Liz Allen to leave Harry and then Harry shows up at Peter Parker's apartment and has kind of a fit. And then Harry and flash decide to take him to his psychologist. Uh, the psychologist then rubs his chin and goes, huh, Peter Parker. That's not how I thought he would look. And then there's uh, another scene later in the issue where Harry and uh, Hamilton get into an altercation, and which ends in a physical brawl where one person comes out the victor, but the, the the figures are obscured, so you don't know who it is. And then you read this comic, and then or this story, and they continue to obscure who the captive is. So you know when you you know when you're constantly hiding someone's identity, it's. It's not who they're claiming the person is, or it's it's not the most obvious guess, is what I'm saying. Like it's it it points that like this is not going to be Harry Osborne in the Green Goblin mask, because they're going to such great lengths to hide the identity of who he has captive and hide the identity of who won that brawl uh, in one seventy five. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I feel we we've hit that point 
strong enough. So I just wanted to note that we're covering the saga, but the very start of 176 uh, is wrapping up something prior as well with uh, Spider-Man basically taking J. Jonah home after a long adventurous date. <laughs> Dodging bullets from the Punisher and the Hitman. Right. And it's just in light of the current spectacular run, this was something to come back to uh, seeing their relationship and how they worked together even then, like they had something, but J- Jonah didn't know he was Peter and still hated him, but they still interacted. It was that classic J. Jonah Spidey bit, and it-, it had a little more tone of machismo than I've seen in many, many years. Right, well, there's definitely posturing on both parts, you know, where Jonah clearly has his, like, ego bruised a little bit that he had to rely on the help of Spider-Man. And, you know, Spider-Man is kind of expecting Jonah to be, like, grateful. Like, hey, I just saved your life. And, like, I did it out of the goodness of my heart, despite all of this. How about, like, a thank you or something? Jonah throws it back in his face, and they both kind of, like, puff their chests a little bit. Um... Which, yeah, like, it, it's it's definitely uh, machismo, I guess, it is, in fact, the best way to describe this this scene. And uh, I don't know, I kind of miss that interaction between the two. You still get, like, a little bit of the back and forth with them now with, like, but at this point now, it's like Jonah's more of a nag. Um, you yeah, know. it feels more like an old married couple than uh, <laughs> right. what it was. Right. And so we don't linger on that. The story moves very quickly, and not that we have to play every beat by beat, but this is one of the most important beats of the story. Peter stumbles across this protest for um, older people protesting their rights and their needs for um, medical care and whatnot. And in the midst of this, Aunt May assaults a police officer with a sign. Yeah, like Aunt May's got a set. <laughs> like, just she's she's gonna go up and talk to. I, I think it was the mayor. Like she and uh, and the guards. Like no, he's he's in the meeting, and then she just starts beating on this guy with her sign, and he restrains her, which then causes her to have one of her famous heart attacks. Um, which well, yes, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which was set up like two issue or two panels prior, where Peter's like. Wow, Aunt May used to be sick all the time and get all these, like, heart problems. I'm glad she's okay now. <laughs> Way to jinx it, Peter. I I really like this interaction because all that happens with Aunt May, but what's more telling to me is that this cop who Aunt May assaults, basically, but Aunt May's doing, like, doing a slight bit of violence to do the right thing, and is basically, in her way, being the hero the way Peter tries to be a Spider-Man. And this cop kind of stands up to her, and this cop, like, bowls her over, and then Peter slugs him to get him off, with, but uh, a little too hard. And, and they make a play of normal people sometimes have extraordinary strength and circumstances, and they have this black sergeant uh, calm down the cop who is currently pointing a gun at Aunt May. And the way this interaction happens feels very analogous to what's going to happen with uh, Peter in the Green Goblin moving forward. And a bit of that stilted, or how, what I view as stilted writing now, but maybe it's just how it was written at the time, plays through in this interaction as well. And I just thought that was a nice, tight section. So the next thing is Mary Jane shows up because we need to fit all the side characters into the story somehow because it's going to take five issues. And she's there to help Peter as he's dealing with Aunt May in the hospital, which is nice of her and Mm -hmm. the right thing to do, which is great. And we get a little bit of the drama and Aunt May uh, pushing through. (laughs) Uh, Nothing too much of note, but pretty much where the story needs to be for a moment. And we move quickly to Flash Thompson coming home to find his place completely wrecked. Right. Um, so Peter, I can't remember why he goes to Hamilton's office. I guess it's not a big deal. But yeah, yeah. So so Flash Thompson's apartment is completely wrecked. Green Goblin jumps out. Spider-Man shows up just in the nick of time to kind of save Flash, who took a uh, Goblin 
pointer finger blast straight to the chest and came out fine. Um, you know, later it wouldn't be the same case much, much later. But uh, for now, it seems to, you know, you can just shoot a guy, you know, who's just kind of rather athletic and, you know, shrug those things off. But once he has superpowers, you know, that's how you kill him. It's anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we get the, the first brawl and probably like one of the, the hammier bits of this story um, where uh, the goblin throws throws flash out of out of the window of his apartment and then spider-man goes through this like long like flashback of like the goblin always throws people i love out of my window like or out or you know throws them off a high high building it was like very like like so so the way the panel is thrown up is that goblin has defenestrated flash Flash is falling. Spider-Man is standing there. And then both of them are like these little huge block of texts about like, you know, everything that they're doing, which I mean, yeah, that's that's how comics were written back then. And that's how they were told. But it's just it's very silly when Spider-Man is angsting, standing there angsting about how he can't believe that Flash Thompson got thrown out of a window rather than, you know, jumping out and saving Flash Thompson. Well, very Spider-Man. Also, a missed moment here is the Goblin, as you said, it just defenestrated Flash. Flash is in freefall. And the last thing that's said is, by the Green Goblin, and there's no way on earth you can save him. And no cackle. <laughs> no cackle? It's a cackleless cliffhanger. And I don't oh. feel that's right with the Green Goblin. But... <laughs> it's true. Um, of course, and... there's no way you could save him. And then you go right into the next issue and Spider-Man literally just zips him up with the web line, throws him on the roof. Problem solved. Right. I mean, like I said in our last issue, or I'm sorry, our uh, two two episodes ago, throwing someone out of the window or being thrown out of the window is like Spider-Man, one of the worst guys you could do that to. It, it, like his whole power set is about being able to survive being thrown out of a window. Or, or, but, uh, it, it did lead to one of the more comedic bits in this, uh, where you get some of that old Parker luck where, you know, Peter or Spider-Man rather manages to save the Flash, but through... The Flash is a DC, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but through some sort of hijinks, he swings a little too low and ends up going straight through some guy's car like blows the door off both it's it's not that he was too low it's that the greek goblin literally boots spider-man because he stays by the way it's a pretty funny panel all on its own if you took it out of context it's just (laughs) greek goblin's boot coming out of a window (laughs) spider-man so i mean i i guess i stand corrected you can throw spider-man out of a window um but and then the guy comes out of his car and starts like screaming at Spider-Man about like, you know, how he's ruined his car or whatever. And then it <laughs> turns out the guy was driving the wrong way on a one way one way street and like totals his car uh, running into somebody. Um, justice. <laughs> exactly. Justice served. Uh, <laughs> I Here's the thing. It's a little corny, but God, this is such a fun thing to be having in the middle of such a dramatic moment but it's not like yucks like it's this crazy circumstance that it's not spider-man shooting off one-liners it's just the comedy of the situation and everything happening right yeah i mean and i feel like that's something this comic is excels at is is amping up the drama like bit by bit by bit by bit you you don't have like big established like this is a dramatic action and then this then you have a, a second complete and total different dramatic action and then they're both put together uh you know you have it's it's you start out with peter's still kind of exhausted and he had, he got shot and he's kind of trying to it's still a little groggy from that and then aunt may's in the hospital and then and then Harry's going through an issue and then Peter's feeling torn between wanting to stay with his aunt in the hospital and then wanting to be there for his friend. And then you have the Green Goblin thing. And then and then, and then now he's got this guy yelling at him about his car. And, and then coming up next, he's about to like run into a gangland execution. Um, 
I I want to note that um once um the moment's over and Spider-Man goes and meets up with Flash again. Uh, Flash addresses the voice of this Green Goblin, which was such a great little... It's not even really a detail. It was really important for them to cover that mm-hmm. because that was something that was bugging me. I'm like, they should know it's not Harry because they know what Harry sounds like and they know what Harry sounds like when he's putting on the Green Goblin. And the fact that I mean, at this point, Flash and Harry are roommates... And Flash is like, that's not my roommate. That has to be the original Green Goblin, who he doesn't know is Norman. But he knows it's this other voice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hamilton sounds like Norman somewhat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, these characters yeah, it, sound like. They're comic characters. Yeah, but... it, it's, it, uh, Flash points out that this does not seem to be like the Green Goblin that he's familiar with. And, you know, it clearly can't be Norman. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's just, it's another, another way that they kind of try to amp up the mystery angle, I guess, a little bit, um, uh, by saying like, this, this doesn't seem right. Like there's something off about this guy. Um, I think we forgot to mention, um, the, 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 the way they, they kind of put the twist on this whole Aunt May getting sick situation is, you know, the normal setup is Aunt May gets sick and then she gets you know, gets her treatment, whatever, she gets better. She gets to the hospital, she gets better. And they have that panel. She's like, she's at the hospital. She's fine. Peter leaves. And then Ross Andrew draws, like, what, like, I'm pretty sure the most disturbing picture of Aunt May I've seen outside of, like, the Steve Ditko <laughs> era where he drew her literally as a melting woman, um, where she has, like, another heart attack in the middle of the hospital after Peter's left. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's an interesting way they invert that really expected an old and tired Spider-Man story where like Aunt May gets sick and then she gets better because she never actually gets truly sick. It's just, it's just for the, that one bit of melodrama, but then by in, introducing this inversion, you know, ironically it makes it more, it makes it dramatic again, even though it's the exact same beat. It's just the fact that, Oh, well this is, this is starting to act more like someone who's actually sick. Like, you know, they get better and then they get worse and then they get better and then they get worse. So, and then it, it also reintroduces the need to contact Peter again, who doesn't think, who thinks Aunt May's fine. So he's thrown himself deep into this Green Goblin thing. Meanwhile, Mary Jane is running all over New York trying to find this guy, trying to find Peter so he can tell him, like, you need to sign these papers as next of kin so that they can, uh, so that they can put Do Aunt May surgery. in surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. And what's really, what really sings about this moment too is like Peter comes and it's not just a problem of the week thing. Like he showed up, oh, she's fine. And he walks away the way Spider-Man, like if you follow how Spider-Man comics work, that's what he would do. Mm -hmm. And he does that, but the problem isn't fully resolved. She's not out of the hospital. And the way that most people would handle the situation, he doesn't have the capacity to do because he's going to go out to fight crime again. And for that, he's being somewhat irresponsible to his family. And it plays it in such a way to where he's doing something that's the right thing, but it's not the right thing for his family. And that tension just naturally occurs. They don't state it explicitly. It just happens through the actions of what's happening. And it's really kind of tight storytelling. And I really appreciated that. Right. It's, you know, not, not, to, not to rag on, you know, modern comics, but it's, it's definitely an understated moment in that, it, you know, like you said, they didn't, they didn't, ex- they didn't say it explicitly. So it, and it, it's, it's missing that, you know, that, that's kind of subtlety, I guess it might be the word. Which is so funny that we're talking about subtlety about a moment in which an old woman is thrown and we're showing this like heart attack, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to note um, here, there's this great page and it's very kind of a Will Eisner inspired page uh, where you have the goblin's face in yellow um, kind of at the center of the page and you have the Green Goblin menacing the city, basically. It reminded me a lot of, like, older cartoons and whatnot. Of you see the villain doing all these small little acts that are causing a problem. It kind of helps establish a timeline and why this character's a problem. Not just that they're always interacting with the superhero and that's when things are happening, but that he's out doing something and he needs to be stopped. 
Right, right. Yeah, the the scene you're you're describing in question is like the montage where he's roughing yeah. up like the mooks to try to figure out where this meeting of the minds of uh the mooks. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the mooks. Yeah, the like where yeah, he's roughing these guys up to figure out where Silvermane is going to be like meeting because Silvermane is making a push for a uh, leader of the crime of New York. Is that an elected position? How does that work? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's appointed, actually. Um, oh. But, <laughs> yeah, this is this is where, like, the story starts to get some of its Silver Age trappings. I mean, that and some of, like, the more bizarre tricks and tools that Hamilton pulls out of the goblin knapsack. Or, I'm sorry, mm. the goblin uh, satchel? Goblin man purse? <laughs> yes, the satchel. <laughs> right. Um. I did appreciate, too, um, as Spider-Man's tracking this down, he finds this invitation that refers to the top of the world. And I was just like, oh, it'll make sense to him. And as he thinks about it, he goes, oh, of course. And it goes to the World Trade Center at the very top tower. I thought, oh, well, I certainly wouldn't be thinking about that now, but it makes sense for the day. And Yeah, well, because there was was a restaurant up there called the Top of the World. Oh, well, that makes even more sense then. (laughs) It's just... This is one of those things about Spider-Man comics in particular that if you're not a New Yorker, I think you just kind of let the story tell you. But like you just pointed out, these there's little details about New York that are always there that always make give it more of a visceral feel, which is great. But if you just told me that there was a restaurant at the top of the world in the comic, I would have been sure in the comic there is. I wouldn't know that that's a real thing. And it's just kind of always cool to know that the, those connections are actually there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way, like, you're like, oh, the bar with no name. Yeah, sure, whatever. That sounds like a comic book thing. Like, you know, I'm not saying that there is an actual bar with no name. I'm sure there there are plenty of bars that are unnamed and speakeasies, but... Oh, yeah, there's one in the town I live, the no-name bar. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, there, there, was, there was one in Memphis. Um, I, I think it was called, like, Skunkies or something. I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> what's the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they serve liquor out of uh, condiment bottles because... You, some sort of law you got around by doing it that way like if you didn't have it like in the actual bottles it didn't count or something i don't know they're not there anymore and i'm sure you know tennessee alcohol tobacco and firearms doesn't listen to our podcast and if they do hey guys uh ease up on memphis (laughs) next time on madden cade's booze and round america (laughs) Uh, anyway (laughs) um Okay. Yeah. So, so we catch up with Green Goblin literally crashing into this restaurant with this crime meeting with formal invitations mm-hmm. for crime boss. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a story I overall enjoyed. Spoilers, I guess, but this is the corniest moment throughout the entire story it's necessary for the plot but they even highlight the fact that Silvermane was um head of the magia and was also for a short while the head of hydra as hydra was a much different thing back in the day i'm surmising in marvel (laughs) that's a bit of a blind spot for me but green goblin comes in is like i could give you spider-man's head on a platter you just need to make me crime boss i it's so goofy. I can't get past it. Well, yeah, I, th- this is kind of where the story uh, falls apart isn't the cri- quite the right word, but it, it definitely, this is the weak, one of the weaker elements is this crime boss angle, which, and that will tie into uh, Hamilton's motives. And it's, it's understandable right. that, that this is, this is where he would take it because he doesn't have the same personal stakes. Uh, as uh, Norman and Harry did in Spider-Man specifically. Uh, so it would kind of make sense that he would return to the roots of the Green Goblin, who was like a crime boss, sort of. sort of. Uh, right. I, I just, for me, the twist that would have made this sing for me is if you wanted to be the head of the New York chapter of the Magia, you know, just that phrasing of it would be like, Oh, okay. I could see them being like, "Yeah, we'll we'll put you up at the top of this chapter if you can deliver." Like that would make sense to me, right? And like, 
again like that that's what i meant by just like trappings of the silver age where where you have like the these you know it's not quite grounded it's more it, it's grounded in reality but not quite there 100 percent um and you know the this mayor-esque figure of of you know head of the of of, of the crime bosses whatever uh, just it, it's I mean because because that's something that that Stan Lee used quite often, especially during the Ramita run, where we're, you're getting more and more mob boss kind of style uh, villains with Kingpin or you know Mal uh, Mal Martin Mariko, um, <laughs> our favorite, yeah, our favorite. Um, right, I that is very true. But this ain't the '60s anymore, man. This is '79. It's time to be hip and with it. <laughs> yeah we're we're in the carter administration as i believe the one of the first panels of the story tells us um but anyway let, let's 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 move on past right. this because but when you move past that uh you take yourself into 178 where after green goblin kind of roughs up these goons uh spider-man also pops out of event and roughs up the goons a little more and darts off <laughs> little odd moment and we were quickly reminded and, and that's the thing is we have to remember this was an older time in comics so we have to kind of be brought back to each element of the story within each issue mm. uh we're basically reminded of the medical drama that's happening and peter apparently needed a moment headed home and gloria comes in to have him try a carrot milkshake peter says it's disgusting and she leaves i'm mentioning this because <laughs> It's so inconsequential, but it's crazy to me because it's clear to me that they're like, Gloria doesn't have a part in the story, but she's an important character. We need to have her come in for a moment. So they literally gave her half a page <laughs> to pop in and pop out. And that played to what I was saying earlier. We need to have every side character be a part of this major story. And this is how they shoved in a character that didn't uh, fit within this one particular story. Well, well, it, it, it was, it did like a twofer because this was also yeah. how they mentioned that Peter Parker is struggling in college because he's continuing like, and he might not graduate. So he's, he runs home to go cram for an exam or something. And that's when Gloria knocks, knocks on the window. So it's almost like, you know, we get a quick aside so that we reestablish all these these plot threads that we've been continuing on and then get on with the rest of the story. Well, why does he need to cram when he's just going to rip off Otto's paper anyways? <sighs> <laughs> Man, we're eventually going to have to stop taking down like what's been going on in Amazing like currently <laughs> while we record these these uh, episodes, especially since we record them like a month in advance. <laughs> i stand by that joke that was solid <laughs> all right oh. well yeah so um because because peter takes this uh this study break not only does he have to stomach this carrot protein shake uh but he does eventually catch the telephone to get married to hear mary jane said that he needs to come by the hospital that aunt may had another heart attack and she needs she needs someone to sign off on the surgery um which is again then how we reintroduce this drama of aunt may is sick but for real this time and then we we then continue to complicate that by green goblin showing up just as peter says yeah i'm on my way and then he gets in an altercation with the green goblin thus halting his uh abilities to protect his aunt but i thought it was such a great raising of tensions right oh yeah peter's kind of unaware and then suddenly they really played up because peter's about to go deal with the green goblin and then he swings back to go answer the phone because something's nagging at him mm -hmm. like he has a sense of what's wrong not spider sense or anything just pure human instinct mm -hmm. and he picks it up he knows what he needs to do and then immediately the green goblin stops him on the way there and they get into an altercation and you know he just he doesn't really even care about taking down the goblin at this point he just needs to be rid of him for a moment to get away to go do what he's to do right and what's crazy is in the middle of this altercation they play up the fact that this green goblin isn't that strong 
mm-hmm. um, he starts whacking on Peter. And here's the quote that Spider-Man says as Green Goblin's doing a double-fisted Kirk-esque punch to his chest. If you want to flatten me, fella, you got to put a little more power behind your punch. The Green Goblin's normally the straight match, so this is an interesting moment. I, and this is saying Hamilton didn't take the serum, but he's been able to do all this stuff. Well, I mean, if if you pay it... Or... <laughs> Not if you pay attention, because I know you were paying attention. But like, if, if you look at the details, uh, or, or really, really like keep an eye on Hamilton, all of his fighting and all, all of what he's doing is relying extensively on the gadgets and the technology. Like when he's fighting the the the, the crime boss people, he's doing uh, flybys on the glider, and he doesn't he never gets off the glider. Um, you know, when he's fighting Peter, he's constantly throwing. Um, uh, copyright like edging on on the <laughs> you know just just the edge of copyright law bat boomerangs um you know he what, what would that be uh an infringement of uh, you know I, I can't put my finger on but it's it's some detective i think it's like sherlock holmes or something or maybe like yeah, a nin- maybe like a ninja hero, sherlock right? holmes what well, anyway um yeah nobody would care about such a yeah thing. yeah but like, I think my favorite one is the like screaming frog that he throws, uh, which I think is about. To, I think it makes its appearance in the next issue. But um, anyway, right? No, but I thought that what you're pointing to here—the reliance on gadgets—what this goblin's doing, the fact that he isn't strong—was a great way. This is why I was saying I thought the mystery of the goblin may have been a little overt for those who'd been longtime readers and paying attention. But the form fit the function. We're starting to get clues about who this character is based on the way he fights, which means every time these characters fight, there's a storytelling element encapsulated within the fight as well, which makes the action just that much more dynamic and that much more interesting to read through. It's not like we got a break so that there's a few pages of punching. The pages of punching have story elements embedded in them as well. That's when I feel like you're getting a good superhero comic when you have that kind of an element happening. Yeah, there's there's definitely uh you know an element of craft in here in in every single page. Um it's it's a it's a well-crafted story that's that's put together in an exciting way and, and like you're pointing out like it's it's that none of the scenes are wasted. None of the scenes are just throwaway action shots the story moves with every single panel just you know added at whatever pace um and i should point out we have another cackleless cliffhanger uh mary jane is looking over aunt may and in the window frame you have spider-man in a basically a plastic bag so you can see him and the green goblins toting him away on his goblin glider which I have to note, if the Goblin Glider's that silent, uh, <laughs> they're sitting on some transportation uh, money that could have really... I feel like those would have taken off better than scooters, especially in the 70s. <laughs> well, we also have some inconsistencies there. Like, earlier in the story, uh, the Goblin mentions that uh, he can't control the glider with both the weights of Spider-Man and the Goblin on there. And this happens again later with uh i keep on wanting to say charlemagne but it's silvermane um (laughs) (laughs) silvermane and uh and spider-man but when spider-man is being towed away in this bag which i think is an homage to that you know uh when norman flew him with his mask off across new york from forest hills um yeah he's he's able to fly fine i right yeah practice makes perfect i guess you said happens later you're right i uh, yeah well it's it's okay. a dramatic scene so you know we'll, we'll cut him a little slack and i guess technically spider-man is not on the glider he's just underneath it uh being towed uh maybe the towing capacity is is much greater than the the uh flying about whatever well and to be fair like he's flying away at this moment but the uh spider peter kind of struggles his way and Greek Goblin drops the bag. So. Well, he drops the bag because he's hit by an RPG, <laughs> which, you know, um, which yeah. they, they call yeah, a yeah, bazooka. Yeah, okay, that's right. I, I forgot, where did the RPG come from? Well, yeah, that, that was that was my question. Was, 
where are they? I mean, I guess I guess this is the mafia or the magia rather. Like, so they'll have access to to this kind of stuff. But um, who just carries one of those things around? It's like because the, uh, apparently Silvermane set up patrols all over New York to you know look out for spider-man and the goblin how many how many rocket propelled grenades does this guy have and how many people does he trust to just give them to that's that's some pretty heavy ordinance for you know the uh america's largest city i you know he's 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 currently the crime boss so all crime with all crime rpgs are on crime rooftops committing these crimes for (laughs) (laughs) well yeah. You know, again, again, just like little silly elements of the story, but like ultimately, it's not it doesn't detract from the drama, um, which I think part of that might just be because they, oh, you know, we have expectations that you will see some of these like sillier elements creep up in these older comics. We haven't quite hit the '80s where everyone's more or less dropped, kind of the goofier, you know, uh, pieces of the '60s that are still hanging on to the comics. Uh, I, I guess that has something to do with it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I think you're right there. I mean, this was a different era. A little bit of cornball, a little bit of like, hey, we need Spider-Man to break free, so a freaking RPG's gonna go off, and boom, problem solved. <laughs> uh, it works. It also just feels like, yeah, this is a fun superhero comic. Why not? Mm-hmm. No. I, that's not the sort of thing I want to poke to, because the idea of the Magia having ordinance in your... Like, it's really not that far-fetched as depressing as that might be and it works for the story yeah i mean i guess at the end of the day that if it works for the story then it works right and spider-man gets caught up in a dumpster by some other criminals and bus free in a very uh chung yao fat inspired scene (laughs) i loved it um let's see uh Anyway, yeah. No, he, the timing on that doesn't work, but that's what it reminds right, me of. Right, right. But, uh, you know, he eventually gets out. He gets to the hospital. Aunt May gets gets the surgery. You know, just the, the unnamed surgery. Uh, you know, they, they take her to the hospital. And, into the, the Aunt into May the, special. Yeah. <laughs> take her to the surgery store. Get a nice, well-fitting <laughs> surgery. Uh, um, but you have to sign off for it. Right, but well, you got to yeah. sign off for it. But anyway, so so everything, everything. So we, we've resolved the Aunt May story. Like she's okay now. You know, Peter. They she comes out of surgery. Peter's still there, and they say they're like, "Oh well, she's she's good. it's going to take a while for her to come out of the anesthetic. Uh, I'm sorry, the anesthesia. So you know, whatever. And so that that basically gives Peter like, well, then I have a few hours where I I will literally either just stand there and not be able to do anything, or I can take care of this other thing that I'm responsible for. And which happens because Robbie visits him at the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, doing the nod wink, I know you're not Spider-Man sort of moment. And it's interesting because Robbie puts it on Peter, like, because Jonah wants him to go do an assignment and Robbie spins it as this good thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, get your mind off this, go make some money that you desperately need and do that. And so Peter goes to do this and immediately Mary Jane is saying, you're just going to leave again. Like that tension's there the way it naturally should be. And it's those characters playing their part to through the draw and the dramas arisen through the characters, basically the way it's naturally supposed to come through. And I just thought, here it is. What a great example of that exact thing that I've heard people on other comic book podcasts talk about not happening in certain stories that they've been reading. And it was so great to just see such a clear example of it happen. Definitely. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. We get to another altercation with the Green Goblin to skim past some minute details. <laughs> right. And, and again, like these, these big like involvements with the, with the, the crime bosses uh this one taking place in radio city where um where apparently uh silvermane is taking in the latest disney movie uh if if i read the narration correctly you know like he does you know when hey who in marvel doesn't love a good disney movie (laughs) um i tried to uh see what movie it was going to be uh or it, it was and i believe the 
the latest Mar- uh, Disney movie that would have come out when this comic was written, not necessarily when it was published, was A Cat in Outer Space. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, w- Cardinal of Criminals Love Cats. Yeah, in Outer Space. Uh, another option would have been um, Pete's Dragon, uh, which would have been like the year before this comic came out. So um it, it might have been on like a, a replay i don't know but i thought that'd be any anyway anyway so you know a little more texture for the comic that that was the movie in the background yeah yeah <laughs> um I, I just no it's just it, it's it's more it's it's comedic to me to to like have these like mafia bosses and they're all sitting in this like it's just gorgeous theater and they're watching pete's dragon um and then the green goblin like comes up like like that that's just the like that that's comedy gold in my head um, yeah it's pretty good again the absurdity of the situation playing the comedy yeah, exactly part. although there you'd have go. to have that little factoid though when you're reading the comic you'd probably associate that naturally right um so anyway so we we get this battle uh silvermane gets almost killed again um you know, he gets dropped from a rather high height, and one of the, one of the one of the mooks comes up. He's like, "Oh my God, he's he's barely breathing. We got to get to the hospital as soon as possible. But first, we got to ice this goblin." So you know, like <laughs> priorities, <laughs> priorities. <laughs> and then this issue ends with our hooded figure in the chair unmasking himself in a correct use of a cackleless cliffhanger. <laughs> it's Harry Osborne. And he's furious. And he's going to do... And I should, we should know, uh, this mask that he's been put in is very uh, Cobra Commander. Yeah, very, it's, uh, it's just literally, literally like a handkerchief with eye holes poked out, like draped over his head. Um, it's just like the weirdest mask. And, and you know, the, the dialogue between the two, like he's apparently gagged too, even though that doesn't appear when they finally reveal him. But um, Hamilton will continue to say, like, I have your face covered because I, I, I just I don't want to see your face. I hate your well, face. Well, with that hair, can you blame him? Uh, that's true, though. You know, not too many people can handle the Tootsie Roll up close and personal. The sideways cornrow of the Osborne clan. <laughs> so I want to know if, like, all of their hair does that. Like, 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 are, are his pits like that, too? Like, like... <laughs> I should note, when the first Spider-Man movie came out, you know, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. the one thing that I was almost disappointed by is when they showed the Osborns, I was like, they didn't do the hair right. <laughs> and then I stopped and thought about it. I was like, have I ever seen that hair in real life? Is it achievable? It is. Is that? Uh, it, okay. Yeah, yeah. There is a Georgia politician with that hair. And the same hair color, too. Uh, and people voted for <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. That should just be the thumbnail for this episode. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we've we've gotten way off track multiple times. It's All right. it's, it's a long story. It's it's hard to stay on topic. Um, but I should know one eighty as we move into the the closing chapter of this non saga in the Spider Man mythos has one of my favorite titles I've read in a long time. Who was that goblin I saw you with? Like, <laughs> it's like so awesome. Like, it's it's <laughs> almost flirtatious. <laughs> I, apparently, I, I'm judging from your facial expression. You don't have the same reading as I did. <laughs> I, flirtatious isn't the word I'd use, but sure. <laughs> well, like it, it, it just it sounds like you know, like the accusatory, like you know, who was that goblin I saw you with? Like. <laughs> <laughs> kids are calling it these days uh anyway um no but like i thought this because we so uh, what i thought this this uh story was interesting the way it set up the final encounter because so we get the cliffhanger at the end of 79 of it being hairy and then we immediately in this one end up at the the furnace where uh peter burn the original first clone so the implication is that maybe this is a cl- maybe this is another clone um 
and before they get there, I want to note there's a quick moment with Robbie in this issue where Robbie just had seen this whole thing expand into this big dramatic scene that he wasn't expecting. But he, he literally says, I sent Peter Parker to find out what was going on here, but I never expected anything like this. And I'm just thinking, what's happened in literally every issue of Spider-Man that Robbie's been a part of up to this point? <laughs> Why wouldn't he expect something like this to happen? But... <laughs> Well, I mean, take it for what it's supposed to be. The the way I saw that was that it was one of those another wink nods where like, I mean, like I knew I was taking Peter somewhere, but I wasn't expecting this to be a Spider-Man thing to happen. (laughs) Um, Right. And then uh, here we finally get Harry actually donning the Green Goblin costume himself. And uh, yeah, as you said, we meet up at at the tower, the implication of the clone and an actual fist fight with spider-man but it is hamilton and spider-man's just aghast beside himself you know how how could this have happened how could you be the green goblin but more weird to me was spider-man just instantly knew who his friend's psychologist was well it he he took him he he personally delivered harry to the psychologist in like uh one of the issues before this story uh because like like I said at the top of the episode, Harry had an episode after Liz left him, and so he and Flash went, and I think that's where he got introduced to the psychologist. So like he he had seen it had been established that they had known each other. Uh, it just right. didn't happen in the story. So if you're only reading the story, yeah, it's a little weird. Like because I don't know like what any of my friends' doctors, let alone their psychologist. Right. Let alone what their psychologists look like. Well, like, and you're right, they did meet, but, like, that would have been a meeting and passing in my mind. Right. And, like, to just instant recall, like, it's you! <laughs> okay. Total Recall's his other superpower. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and that, that that's when we get, like, kind of the flashback and the exposition that, uh, you know, Barton Hamilton hypnotized Harry and, like, Harry divulged all of his deep dark secrets, including Peter's identity as Spider-Man, including all the goblin stuff. And then uh, Hamilton decided to check this out and see if it was true for himself, went and then kind of like got drunk with power after taking the goblin glider out for a spin and decided that, you know, this this was this was too good to share with everybody as like uh, a medical paper. Like he was going to have to become the new Green Goblin and kind of make this new life for himself right and one moment i really liked i don't know if it was meant to be read this way but harry has something of a breakthrough in the middle of this fight with his psychologist and he basically hulks out of the green goblin costume (laughs) and at that point like there's tatters of it but at this point he's more harry osborne fighting for himself and what's right than as the green goblin and so he's in a more healthy place I just thought that was a interesting churn after, you know, this guy who's seeking psychological help is beat up, bound, and tortured by his psychologist, and at the end, it kind of works anyways. Well, no, I, I, I read it the same way, was that, like, it was Harry breaking out of the Green Goblin. You know, how he did that... Yeah. Like we never, we never really saw his arc there, where he goes from like nervous wreck because um, you know because his fiance left him to like being able to conquer himself, basically. Right. Well, and as he's doing this, he's saying, you know, the Green Goblin is dead. He's he's getting that moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. I just find the circumstances and all this in it kind of kind of it fit again. It fits the story, but it's a little corny. But I I, I think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such an interesting moment. And this is one of the few moments where I wish this moment was given a little more of what would happen today. Because I feel like this frame deserves a page or a little more right. build. Because right. this is a major moment for this character. And it's just kind of one panel in the middle of this other action. Immediately he's kicked to the side. And... Mm-hmm. But yeah, so now that we've, you know, got got all the story story resolved and revealed and the motivations that that just means it's time for this guy to go away and uh you know he does in the most comic book way possible of accidentally blowing himself up uh, <laughs> and we should note 
this is the end of Hamilton until the clone conspiracy in which he just immediately dies. Yep, yep. He shows up to die again in the clone conspiracy. You know, um... Like a handful of characters. (laughs) I like the clone conspiracy. Ah. (laughs) We know you do. We know you like Spider-Verse too. Um, You know, and, and, and yet we still, you know, everyone gets one. Everyone gets one. I get trouble. You get, you get more than one. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair <laughs> uh, okay. all right anyway all right well, so we- and then all's well that ends well and on to the next yes all right so we we've we've hit the end of the story um i get right I, yeah yeah so so and, and what are your general impressions i really like this story um you know we've we've been covering a wide variety of tales on this show um and <laughs> And this one is is more of like a stock, not maybe a stock Spider-Man story isn't the the best way to put it, but this is definitely like what I would in my head think of when I think of a Spider-Man story, especially like not like a super personal one. Like the stakes, the stakes are personal here, but it's not like about it's not about like vendettas. It's not it's not your typical Green Goblin story. It's it's not. It's not an Osborne versus Spider-Man. It's not about family. It's not about the history so much as it's just, it's another crime boss. It's a crime boss that Spider-Man has to deal with on top of all of his other family obligations. Right. And when I was reading this, I I just had this feeling after a number of the other things we've read through, especially the final adventure, I, I just had this moment of, this is what I signed up for. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you mean just signed up for when you agreed to join the show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like re- reading stuff like this where like, you know, they're not really talked about anymore. Like, you know, no one ever brings up, you know, Hamilton. Like he doesn't show up in continuity anymore, but these are enjoyable stories. Like this is, this is when you want to read a Spider-Man story. This is the kind of thing you want to read. Um, and that was something, this to me felt more like a Spider-Man story than some things that were explicitly trying to be a Spider-Man story in some ways because it wasn't trying so hard and it was the circumstances and it was set in New York in its time and, and it, it was explicitly revolving around Peter Parker and Peter Parker's cast with Harry Osborne and Robbie and Gloria and it, it just had all the right trappings because this is where those trappings come from. And it just, so many cool little elements came together to make this larger than it was. Like, if you took out certain chunks of this, other parts wouldn't sing as well. Like, especially the fact that Aunt May is in the hospital because she's fighting to do something right for her cause. Right. And I I just, I I just liked how everything wrapped together. (laughs) So, uh, I'm assuming that we're both... We're both going to land the same place here, but uh, reissued or untold? Oh, definitely reissued. If you haven't checked this one out, this is a fun chunk of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, same, same. And it's again, it's super available. Like, there are multiple trades. Uh, if you're going to go the trade route, I think I think when I looked them up on Amazon, uh, they're both the same price. So might as well go for the one that's in color. Uh, you get less story, but it's in color, and the colorist did a great job on this um or you know unlimited or comiXology unlimited i i think they have their own subscription service i don't use them but anyway anyway um yeah 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 so all right on to the next part web rankings let's let's hear so i mm-hmm. oh sorry. i was to say let's, let's let's hear where you want to put this so I'll, as i was saying a lot of the stuff we've read look it, it's fine it's fun but this just being a solid cool spider-man story in my mind makes this sing so much higher than a lot of the other stuff that we've read though i should note some of the stuff we read recently is up there our marvel team up with primarily iron man kind of hits that bell though not as strongly for me same with uh spectacular spider-man 215 216 that scorpion story we did uh but to me that sung this sung better than that scorpion tale as well i 
I was thinking of putting this right above pumping up. That's where I was looking on the list. That's exactly where I was going to put this one too. Because, well, like pumping up is number three for the exact same reason that we really like this one is that like it's a well-told Spider-Man story that like doesn't it doesn't really necessarily have any frills, but that's not to its detriment. It's almost to its you know uh, favor that it's just a very well-crafted. Um, tale that hits all those notes that you're looking for when you want a spider-man story great then we're in agreement we have a new number three who is that goblin i saw you with (laughs) i mean i i was just gonna use the new goblin since that's what the trade used um but we could i'm too attached to that title (laughs) (laughs) all right well um that was that was that was a good one that was that was good we didn't fight over that one at all all right well next up on our not osborne green goblin block we have death of the goblin construct which is amazing spider-man volume 2 number 18 and peter parker spider-man 18 uh which i want to quickly note because it's not obvious um amazing is part one of that story and peter parker is part two um there's not a part one or part two in any of like the the naming conventions inside of those comics and if you're just reading them straight through you're not gonna it 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 won't be obvious but anyway yeah yeah so you're gonna want to read amazing spider-man volume 2 18 then peter parker spider-man 18 uh after that Uh, We'll be taking it outside the pages of Spider-Man to bring you another Goblin story. This one's going to be Thunderbolts number 128 and 129, which is part of that Dark Reign maxi event. And that will close out our Goblin block. Um, For now. For now. It's the Green Goblin. So... So he's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's half the point of the Green Goblin. He's going to be back. Um, anyway, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you haven't, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Uh, if you haven't already done that, or rather, if you have already done that, please consider sharing the show with someone you, who you think might enjoy it. Or if you don't feel like leaving a review, just share it. Just, just, just share it. Just print share it. Share it with your mom. Yeah, yeah. Print out links. Just like, like, te- like print out text links and just paste them all over your town. Um, just just scream scream our names from the rooftops um let everyone know how much you love the untold talks of spider-man uh and if you really love the untold talks of spider-man did you know that you can join our patreon for a mere three dollars and 99 cents a month and you will get what I, that's just the price of a single comic book uh and it will gain you access to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man B-Title Reviews, where Matt and I will be discussing the current B-Title Marvel Spider-Man comics. Uh, Currently, we're looking at Scarlet Spider, New Year's Vow, Spectacular, Venom, and then whatever they're going to be throwing at us with Spider-Geddon. We haven't even talked about how we're going to be handling that. Like, that's that's just going to... We're going to explode when Spider-Geddon hits. Because, anyway... Anyway... And on top of all of that, you will also be getting access to the Amazing Spider Talks, Amazing Spider-Man Reviews, as well as our members-only section of our Slack channel, the Amazing Spider Slack. Speaking of that members-only section of the Amazing Spider Slack channel, Dan just posted a preview uh, of the artwork that is available to our next subscription tier, the Excelsior Club. $10 a month nabs you commissioned artwork twice a year from Spider-Man artists you know and love. Um, That little piece of preview preview art was from Alex Saviak. Um, And it's looking really nice. He's got like a little little Mary Jane, a little Gwen action. There's Spider-Man in the middle swinging. And we want to give a special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more, check for notes in the show notes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Matt, where can we find you on the internet this week? This week, you can find me on the Twitter at MagicalMatt42 and Kane, where can we find you? (laughs) Well, you can always find me on Twitter under the handle at KaneWrites. You can also find the show on Twitter at UntoldTalksSPMN. You can find us on Facebook at 
Untold Talks of Spider-Man, or you can email us at Untold Talks of Spider-Man at gmail.com. Again, we would love to hear any sort of reader reviews. I think it'd be really fun that if we get a bunch of them, we could do a block of just, or I'm sorry, not reader reviews, reader suggestions. I think it'd be really fun if we get a whole bunch of them, we could do a block of just reader suggestions. Um, we have already gotten some of them. Uh, <laughs> Goblins at the Gate, wasn't that one of them? Goblins at the Gate, and then we have a uh, Cyber Wars, which is part of the Clone Con- not Conspiracy, the Clone, clone saga. saga. And then we also have uh, Kimia's Castle, which was part of the Sandman uh, portion of the Gauntlet, was also uh, requested. So... So any any story you want to request, we'll we'll be open to. Um, you know, if it's a little maybe, yeah. I was gonna say if it's. I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna suggest like, hey, uh, could you guys do? I don't know, flowers for rhino or well, I, flowers for rhino maybe. But, yeah, uh, the death of Gwen yeah, Stacy. Yeah, yeah, not. yeah. Death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, definitely not. But um, I don't know. I, I felt like if we were gonna do what was that? Uh, Tangled Web. I feel like I feel like uh, Flowers of Rhino is like the most well-known Tangled Web. Anyway, anyway, the most known Tangled Web. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, we're going for deep cuts of deep cuts on this show. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we wasted enough of these fine people's time. Uh, so until someone hypnotizes all of my secrets out of me and quits their lucrative job as a private practice doctor to gallivant through the night dressed in someone else's tights make mine untold. 